Welcome to the Sales Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salesstreet.org. Yeah, young clap. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to walk right off this stage because I kept thinking the steps were here. Fall flat on my face. But what a great time that God has blessed us with. Exactly what Paul was saying. Exactly what Sam was saying. So I've given myself... I don't know if this counts as part of it, but I'll give myself 15 minutes to give you a sermon this morning. Some are clapping, others are like, I see making bets in the corner, I'm not going to be able to do it. But I've been thinking about this morning and what, what would God have us look at this morning? What would he really, like, God, what do you want us to see? And every morning, like Sam said, it doesn't matter what room we come into. What does God want us to see? That he is real. And listen, there are things that happen and things that are going on that we've seen over just the last couple of years. But I even want to get personal this morning, talk about us as a church, Sales Street Baptist Church. And I want to be honest, like, I don't know how many people I've ever had come up to me from outside this church and say, we're praying for your church. And I said, well, great, we'll pray for your church. Because change is hard. And people think because it's, there's a change that must automatically mean that there's something broken or that there's some sort of fight or some sort of turmoil. And what we're going to go this morning, I hope kind of speaks to a piece to that. But ultimately what I hope is that in this time of worship, to hear from Sam, to hear from Jeff, to hear from Paul, later on Lucas will come up and pray for us, to see that the doors are being held open, to see people outside welcoming people, to see Emily and what the kids are doing, that God is working and God is doing some great, amazing things. But for the first time I've felt here, we're doing it together and not just giving it to one or two people to do it while the rest of us sit around and watch. I want to be bold enough to say, do we want to pretend that we're a church or actually be a church? And when we can worship together and when we can have baptisms and we can pray, man, we just come together in that and see the beauty of faith in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for... Bennett's baptism, Father. We thank you for his boldness and his courage to step out into that water in front of everyone and proclaim, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the countless 
hours and prayers of his parents and his family. And we thank you for the volunteers for years and years who have just loved on him. But we thank you for your word that can even reach a child. And Father, we pray in our time of worship and preaching and teaching and serving that you get all the glory and that your name is proclaimed to as many people as we can possibly get it to. We love you and we praise you. We do so through our Father, by Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles here to um, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 10. I don't, I have some feedback in here a lot. Um, that might be the choir mics, Justin. We're learning, guys. We're still, you wouldn't think, I know it looks like the same space, obviously some differences, but uh, yeah. These sound panels and everything that we've done actually changed the acoustics of the room. So it's going to take us some time getting used to all this. But uh, we are very blessed in what we're doing and what we have and what God is doing for us and through this. So I want to jump into this. I'm going to read these first 10 verses to you. Um, a little fancy gadget that we came up with is I can now control these screens from my iPad. So um, hopefully pictures of my dog doesn't come up. And we'll see how that goes. All right, so we're going to go through. All right, so verse one, it says, so put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is good as you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as we go back through here, we see in this verse. So first I want to go, last Sunday after church, myself and Colin and Sam and Justin and Paul sat together and we said, what do we want to do in this service? How do we like to speak to the people. And, and I asked him, I said, anybody like being kind of brought to any scripture and Sam, I got one. 
went straight to this. And it was so funny because Jeff can tell you in our Sunday school, we just taught on this. We're going through First Peter. And we just kind of taught on this. And I'm going to give her credit. This morning, because, you know, this morning I actually wrote the, 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 the sermon. I didn't prep any time before. But Rachel helped me write the sermon. That's a joke, but Rachel did help me write this sermon. We got together and we started just talking again this morning, going through this. And when you come through all these verses, something that's, that we need to look at is right before we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, if you look at verses 22 through 23, it says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Okay, so I was just notified that the iPad has disconnected. So I was so excited because I got this little fancy pen and I had, was gonna write and connect things and y'all are gonna see it on the screen, but Justin failed me, so, you know. But his microphone worked for him, so. Oh, he wants me to do something. Um, I don't know what you want, yeah. So, no, Justin, I know what you're doing. You made a bet I'd go longer than 15 and you're trying to make me go longer. So what we're gonna do is uh, just be with me in chapter two here and go, but when you read that first section of chapter two, some of your Bibles will say, we'll start with therefore, or you'll start with so. I was gonna take my pen and circle it and you'd see it come up. I was so excited about this. All right, so it starts with therefore or so, which means it's connecting to the verse that we just read there in 22 and 23 of verse one. Remember, we didn't come up with these things and then like the, the authors of the Bible did not put in their chapters and their verses. They wrote a continuous letter to their audience. So this continuous letter reads, to these people, you have been purified. Your souls have been purified. By what? By obedience to the truth. For what? A sincere brotherly love. You're to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, Christian, not of this per- perishable seed, not of this thing that's just gonna wash away, not of this thing that's just like in the moment, some camp high or something that's just gonna like, you know, get you through for right now or, you know, that, 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 family gathering, that, that song that comes on the radio that just gets you pumped up, but as soon as it's off, you're like back into it. Not that, that weekend that you're looking forward to, that, but once Sunday evening comes, you gotta get back into the grind of Monday. This is of imperishable seed, this joy, this love, this earnestly pure love for sincere brotherly love. It doesn't, it's not supposed to wash away. It's not supposed to go away. It's not supposed to disappear. So, and this is through what? The abiding word of God, to read the scriptures of God, not have it constantly preached to you or in some handout in Sunday school or whatnot that you thoroughly wanna go home at the end of the day and just get a few verses in or maybe start your morning up with opening your Bibles and reading the truth and not scrolling through all the social media platforms out there, but just really just just five, 10, an hour, whatever you got to just, I wanna read the word of God. I want something in me and on me. I, wanna, I want something to purify me. And so when you see that right there and you go to verse one of chapter two, it, taking that, saying you abide in this so, so, 
put away. Now look at these five things that the Bible tells you to put away. Okay, let me go here. It tells you right here five things you were put away. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now, as me and Rachel were into our intense Bible study this morning, which I really actually enjoyed, we went through these five things. And I asked Rachel, I said, Rachel, when you read and you think about, she's been in church a long time, she knows it, she understands it. I said, when you talk to people about what they don't like about church, is it in that one verse? And she looked at it and she goes, every word of it. You're hypocrites. You slander each other. You're deceitful. You have malice. Like, this is what the people outside the walls say the church looks like to them. This is what they say. Maybe not all five, but at least one of these five. They look at that and say, yeah, this is my problem with faith in Christians today is this is what they do. They slander one another. The Bible is clear. The Bible is so clear, right? If we have a problem with something, if we have a problem with one another, we're to go to one another. We're to go to one another and have a conversation with each other. We, we, we slander these five things. And when we look at these five things and we look at these, what these five things mean, I'm going to read these, what I pulled in my notes here. Malice is a wicked ill will. It's a wicked ill will. I want ill will upon these people, this organization. I don't want good things for it. I want bad things for it. Hoping for some sort of harm. Deceit is an intentional dishonesty. You know you're not quite telling the truth. You know you're not quite giving all the facts. You know you're not quite listening and, and you know, you're just kind of putting it out your way and your want. And it's an intentional dishonesty. Hypocrisy is a falseness, holding others to one standard Why we are you do not live up to those very standards in which you hold on to anyone else. Envy has been called this resentful discontent, focusing our angst on someone who has what we crave. We want what they have. Slander is using a false or misleading words to harm another's reputation. Another's reputation, misleading Harm. Jesus Christ suffered all of these things at the hands of those he came to bring salvation to. He knows them. He felt them. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do, he says. But all five of these things are the opposite of what chapter one, the end of chapter one was telling us. All five of these things take care of our personal flesh. They take care of our personal selfish wants and needs. All five of these things in one way or another gratify us. They make us feel good. They make us feel powerful. We would never ourselves say, yep, I'm one of those things. But yet we, our flesh struggles in every single area of those things. But if we look at chapter one, he says, you are to abide in the word. You are to be saturated in the scriptures of God. And by doing so, you put away these things. 
By being so in love with Jesus Christ, these things are put away. Like a newborn infant longing for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Verse two, you may think like, well, I'm not a newborn infant in Christianity. The elementary blocks of our faith are so crucial. Again, I'm using Rachel a lot this morning, but we talked this morning and we were talking about the pandemic and how these verses look. And we were saying how I heard so many people say how they felt so bad for seniors in high school that when the school got shut down, they're like, oh, the seniors. Come on, let's just be honest. Seniors, we love you, but really, like you were out the door. You, you, you missed the prom. There's, you go playing dance. There's so much. But you know what, what it really hurt was the elementary students. The one in those first years of development so that they can get to middle school, so they can go to high school, so they can maybe eventually get into college or go on with their career field. That's their building blocks, their fundamental building blocks of how they respond to teachers and how they deal with homework and how their brains are gonna comprehend important, crucial, uh, critical thinking moments. Those elementary students were disrupted greatly. Their elementary blocks that, that fundamental, like a newborn infant longing for the spiritual milk, the milk is so crucial so crucial to our spiritual walk, our spiritual knowledge, our doctrine, our theology, everything, so that we can find ourselves not in those five categories. We will constantly need the spiritual nutrition of the milk of Scripture and Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. Look, I was one of those guys for many years who got wrapped up in a deep thinking of the Bible. Still have fun times with that. But when I looked around and realized, man, when we have a conflict, we can't even talk to each other. We, what are we, we that's milk. Man, when, we, when we're confused about something or we don't understand something or something just seems off, we don't go find the facts. We, we go and complain, we need the milk. When, when, when people around us say, like, I know he goes to church, I know he, 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 he's, you know, in this, I know she loves the Lord and all this, but when they come to work, I don't really make a connection there. I don't see much of that. I don't hear them talking about that. It's kind of like here, we do our thing, but out there, we do our thing. We need the milk. We will constantly need the milk. And if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, this if right here, which I was gonna circle and have an arrow and everything too, okay? This if right here is not saying if the Lord is good, meaning is he good, is he not good? This is saying if you, you gotta ask yourself that question this morning, is the Lord good in your mind? Do you feel that the Lord is good? And is he so good he's better than all those other five categories? Is the Lord good for you? Do you consider him great and mighty in your life? Is he good? Do you think he's good for you? Or do you look at the Lord and go, no, 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 no. I mean, it's good to have some insurance. It's good to do all these things so we can feel like, you know, if we are, you know, if something is after life, 
I'll have that insurance policy signed and I won't go to this bad place. Or is God so good to you? You're like, man, he's good. He's so good. And I know in my failings and in my trippings and my struggles and my suffering. And that is what first Peter is all about. And you read James, James is right before this book. James is like a, what did I say, Rachel, this morning? It's like, a, it's like a board across your face going, this is what Christians look like. This is what you're supposed to look like, right? I was talking about in James in the first chapter when it just comes out, it says to the 12 tribes in dispersion. He's talking to the 12 tribes who are being persecuted, to Christians who, are, who have lost their livelihoods, their career path. Children have been taken out of school. So many things have happened. Their lives are in turmoil, they're running. And James writes this letter like, hey, how's it going? Consider everything a joy when you meet these trials. I'm the kind of guy who's got some bad things in my heart that's like, really? You're going to write that to me right now? Like, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. And you're going to ask me, like, consider it all a joy. I don't need a pep talk right now. I need a job. I need to pay the mortgage. I need to find a safe place for my kids. I need to get through this climate of complexity and confusion. I don't, I don't need a pep talk. But as you go further and further in it, you realize, I needed this. And then It comes right into Peter, and Peter comes out teaching us how we live this life in suffering and obstacles and struggles. And Sam hit it on the head this morning to be able to come in here and go, this coming in this new room and the change that you see physically is only a representation of what Sale Street has done in the last couple of years on a whole of how we've changed. And I'm telling you guys, there is beauty in biblical worship. There is beauty in passion for worship. There is beauty in biblical teaching. There is beauty in in pluralistic leadership. There is beauty in congregational, true congregational involvement into the needs of the community. And there is beauty. There is beauty in not being focused on how many people we can put in those seats, but being focused on the people we have in the seats of putting the word in you and saying, now get to work outside. That's beauty. That's you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. These are the words of our God, not of me and not of some publisher. This is the word of God. And showing us this beauty of the church, the church, that Jesus was rejected by man but chosen by God, we will go through a plenty, a plethora of rejection as a true biblical church operating into today's environment. 
Brothers and sisters, I need you to hear what I just said. We will go through plenty of rejection as a true biblical church operating into today's environment. There will be opposition from within and out. We will not hit them with slander. We will not hit them with hypocrisy. We will not be envious of what they have and we don't. We will not have ill will and malice, nor will we conduct ourselves with deceit. We will abide in the word and we will love earnestly and sincerely for the Lord was rejected by man, but chosen by God and he was holy. Therefore we are holy. Verse seven. So the honor is for you who believe, but those who don't believe that stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone. They are stumbling. You can either believe in Jesus or stumble onto Jesus. You, you, a rock of offense, they will stumble because they disobey the word. But let me be very clear. I, for 26 years and still struggle in this day, disobey the word. It's okay, but we're not gonna be right. It says right there, we will not be put to shame at the end of verse six. Precious, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There will be no shame because the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, who God destined to be the the builder and the founder of our faith. And he says, listen, I've gone through all five of those categories. I was rejected by man. Everybody thought I was crazy. These people here thought I was totally wrong, preaching the wrong thing. They said, I should do it this way. We need to do it that way. You're not who you say you are. You're pretending this and that. And they brought up every category now. And he was what? Precious, he was the, sal- the salvation for all of us, and he became our cornerstone. But you are chosen race, verse nine, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you read that, that you may proclaim his excellencies, that goes right back to the if you have tasted the Lord and seen that he is good. If you are convinced, if you know that he is good, when people know he is good, I say it strongly to you. When you know God is good, when you have that faith and you have that salvation beating in your heart, no one has to teach, well, no one has to promote to you to go out and speak his excellencies. You say, I was in the dark, I'm now in the light, and it was he, Jesus Christ, that did it, and you can't shut me up about it. I ask this question all the time. What is uh, my good friend Justin turned me onto a book a couple years ago called More Than a Carpenter. Very easy read. And it, it asked, it kind of took you through, but the question was asked, what makes the apostles' faith and belief in Jesus different than mine? And a lot of people would say, no, it's all the same. Holy Spirit, this, that. But the real answer is those 12 men, all, all but one of them were brutally tortured for their faith. All of them knew whether or not this was fake or not. They all knew whether or not Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. They all knew if they were pretending. They all knew if it was fake. They knew if it was a fraud, if it was just a masquerade, if they had taken the body and hid it from the Romans. But they were brutally tortured and persecuted 
and they did not recant because they had tasted and seen that the Lord was good and they proclaimed his excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into the marvelous light. And I will quote Rachel on this. She read all 10 of these verses and she says, but the most beautiful verse of them all is, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 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 We speak of grace and mercy. Grace, getting something you don't deserve. Mercy, not getting something you do deserve. Apologetic moment. Why do good people go to hell? Because we are not good people. If the Lord was fair, we'd all go to hell. But he's marvelous and he gives us mercy. And he says, I paid your penalty. You were slanderous. You were a hypocrite. You were deceitful. You had ill will toward each other. You had malice in your heart. You were dishonest. But I paid the penalty for you. Because I love you. True love. So I'm going to ask my brother Lucas to come up. Because when you read those verses and you connect to them and you see it for its trueness, I'm telling you, I would have wowed all of you guys with my fancy apple pen. But when you see this, we were were talking as a group, as men and women talking before we come up here and, and going through scripture. And we concluded on Tuesday morning that when you read these verses, you just gotta pray. You just gotta thank God. You gotta look at these verses for how true they are and say, Lord, thank you. And so Lucas was really like going through it and this and that. And I said, Lucas, why don't you come up on stage and do that? And he goes, oh, you know me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty shy getting in front of people. I don't think they fell for that, Lucas. But these verses here, so much in them. Guys, I am, I'm, I'm happy to be in this room. I was happy in that other room. But I'm extremely happy, extremely happy where my brothers and sisters are in this church. And I want all of you, all of you to be with us in this. I want you to see the things and know the things and be part of the things that God is unfolding right in front of us. I will go a little longer. I gotta tell this story. I gotta tell this one story. We, I don't know if you know, but we, uh, you should know, we do food for thought right across the street. We feed Lucas, we feed a lot of kids right now. Like lots of bags of food are going out every Friday and Thursday to the schools. And Mr. Wanna share with me and Lucas that it, it's sad, but it's, it's good. That in one of the schools, the counselor would go around at the end of the day and give the bags to the kids that had pre-signed up for the food that we're packing every Tuesday night. And there was a little girl in one of the schools who wasn't in the classroom and the counselor gave out the food. So she ran to the counselor's office and the door was locked, right? The door, the counselor went there. The little girl just sat by the door and started crying. Because she thought, I miss getting my food for the weekend. The counselor showed up, picked up the little girl and said, no, we got food. I think me and Lucas were like, tell me who this little girl is. I'm gonna bring her, I wanna stock her whole house. I wanna do. But you know what's more important? 
The food is good. But I pray that this little girl's eyes will be open to who Jesus is. And she will see that she has value and that she is loved. And she has been loved since the moment God thought of her. And no matter the struggles or the trials or the deceit or the hypocrisy of this world, Jesus will sing his excellencies to her. And we need to be a church that she can respond right back to him. We need to love people and we need to get to loving ourselves. We need to get to loving each other and we can love this community deeper and harder. And it's not gonna be our sound system. It's not gonna be our carpet. It's not gonna be our pews. It's not gonna be our praise team. It's not gonna be my long-winded self that, that saves them. But it's gonna be the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And we got some work to do and we're doing it. But we gotta get back to loving each other and, and enjoying what God is doing us through the word of God and put away those five categories and you put them away by filling yourself with the word. So I invited Lucas to come and pray with us through this moment as he sees fit.